So when I told my friend that I am recording this new episode and I have this gentleman with me, and when I took his name, all I got back a response was, "Oh, I love that gentleman absolutely. Like you know, his the work that he does and what he's been doing, it's really phenomenal." And you know, I got best wishes. So on that note, I'm going to welcome all of you to the Total Indian Football Show with me, your host Siju, and same as you know. the same energy that my friend showed i think i even am ecstatic to welcome mr tom bayer on the podcast thank you so much uh, mr bayer for joining and taking time well thank you very much siju it's an honor to be here and to chat all things football with you and your community yes absolutely so let's get started without wasting much time if i can ask you and for all our listeners also how did and when did an american decide to come to japan and settle himself there when did that happen sure i've been in japan for many years uh, i came during the 1980s that's to show you how old i am and uh i got involved in japanese football as a player first playing for hitachi which is uh currently in our j league professional league so to be clear i came before the J League started which was a big advantage for me because when the J League started in 1993 I had already been pretty well established here in uh, Japanese youth football development so I was viewed much differently than post the J League because I had already contributed significantly to Japanese football so I had a a bit of a different image um not being looked upon as someone who came to Japan to try to catch the the wind so to speak for the big football boom that happened here in Japan with the J League starting in 1993 and then also the JFA putting their hand in the air to become the host of the 2002 World Cup so i've been here for more than 35 years um involved in japanese football this is my home here and i travel the world you know speaking at conferences and and doing much much more but my home is really here in japan and i'm probably not going anywhere anywhere soon cuz i love this country and it's been very good to me and this is where all my friends my work and family are yeah i mean you're traveling the world so that you can share all the in-depth knowledge that you have gained and that for that i think all of us are uh, definitely in depth with now You mentioned you came even before the J League started and you were in Japan and you've been almost for 3 decades more than 3 decades what was the first thing or what or if i do ask you what impressed you uh the first time you landed in Japan and also did you see yourself you know settling there when you first landed in Japan Well yeah i guess the first thing that really sticks out for people that come to Japan here is how organized the country is how clean how organized how disciplined how everything kind of works like clockwork here in Japan so it's it's quite different to many countries in the world especially a country where i grew up as a young kid in new york where things are quite chaotic and certain things aren't so organized and certain things don't work on time such as our train system or our airplanes our airports so that was a bit of a cultural shock But yeah, I mean it's been a real journey for me here, you know, adapting to this country and learning the customs, learning the culture 
and trying to fit in, to be honest with you. And what was the second part of the question that you asked? I mean, that's your first impression when you came. But what made you, you know, stay there? You've been there for more than three decades and now you call Japan your home. Yeah. So I think all of the things that I listed here, I mean, this is a wonderful place to live. It's a wonderful place to work and coach because there really is a very unique relationship between a child, a student and teacher or player and coach. There's a lot of respect for someone who's in a position of uh, teaching. Learning and teaching is a very important kind of concept uh, in Japan as well. So Japanese players are very wonderful to coach because they love to learn. They're always learning. In fact, that's kind of one of the downsides sometimes because they never really think that they have reached their ultimate goal and they think that it's more about the process. So they sometimes don't seem to enjoy success as much because they're constantly trying to improve themselves individually and collectively. So that really is a very interesting and admirable characteristic of Japanese culture, which makes anybody like myself as a teacher or a coach, um, the experience is just you know, so much better than it would be. So that's one of the reasons that I, I decided to stay here. And again, because I have so many close relationships here, people can't hardly believe it, but whenever I'm, the Japan national team is very dear to my heart because I've got players that I've worked with to play on the team. I've got coaches that I've worked with that coach the team. I've got close friends of mine who are top administrators at both the JFA and the J League. So I have a very personal connection to Japanese football, even much more so than my, my homeland country, which is America. So people are always kind of surprised at my loyalty and my love for when I watch the Japan national team play, regardless what age group or whether it's the men or the women. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, I think there's something that I take away from all that you, the points that you've listed out. And I think it's also a talking point for everyone to see, which is the culture that Japan has, right? Whether it's regards to the respect that they have and what they carry as individuals. And I think that translates very much into their workplaces with regards to whatever the workplace is. And I think that's what we also see on a football field. Uh, the way they are, I think, also at the recently concluded World Cup, what we also saw and the talking point was how even the fans on the stands were very courteous enough to clean the place before they left. And also the Japanese team, uh, when they left the dressing room, how you know they were prim and proper over there as well. So I think these small aspects, I think, are the most basic ones that they take. They carry with themselves as individuals and then that is translated. So how much do you see that as a key factor for all that's happening with Japan or the football there? Yeah, I think it's uh, those are good comments that you made. I think what people should understand that there's a very consistent way of doing things here in Japan, regardless if you are selected to play on an under-12 national select team, which I was honored to be the coach of for more than a decade here in Japan. And then you can see that the way that things are approached and organized at those youngest ages are very similar to what happens at the national team level at a World Cup tournament as well. So there is a culture that's extremely strong 
There's certain ways that you accept this is the way that Japan does things. Sometimes being a Westerner, you don't always kind of agree or understand why certain things are done, but that's where you have to be clever enough and kind of adapt to their culture instead of trying to force another culture or another way of doing something because that's the way that you grew up doing it. So I think that, you know, what the Japanese culture has and the way that they approach and they facilitate the game here works for them. And again, every World Cup, if we're using the World Cup as a yardstick, which many do, we can see that Japan is definitely improving. They're getting better. Um, the players are getting better individually. The team as a collective team is doing better as well. So I'm very optimistic and very proud to to really say that I think that Japanese football is in a very good state of being right now. And, you know, considering that it's one of the powerhouses in the Asian set of football and soon to be, the work is in progress of also becoming one of the top in the globe as well. So, you know, being from India and you've also visited India, you've been in touch with folks here and, you know, you've been talking to coaches or players alike. How do you see or what are the things that if I had to ask you that probably Indian football can take cues from what's happening in Japan football? Sure, that's that's a great question, Siju. We have many study groups that come here to Japan to try to observe and learn and bring back to their home countries what they see. I'm not so convinced that Japan's model is exportable because at least the entire program, there are some pieces that I'll talk about, but I'm a big believer in culture. And Japan has a culture such as India has their own culture or America has their own culture. Every country has a culture. And some are more or less conducive to developing football players or uh, sports players in, in general. And I'll give you an example in Japan here. The kids tend to overtrain. They practice too much here. And so culture accepts Japanese families, moms and dads, accept the fact that their young seven, eight-year-old child is going to train playing football four or five times a week, almost the entire weekend, very long training sessions, sometimes two, three, four hours per session, coming home very late at night, not being able to sit down together with the family and have a dinner because everybody, if you have multiple kids like I do, I have two boys, 14 and 16, they come home at completely different times because of their football training. But I think the one characteristic that India could copy is to focus primarily on technical skill development. And that's really the same message I have no matter where I go or no matter where I speak or have interviews or teach is basically if you don't get the technical component correct early, then there's many problems that become problems in football development. So if you look at the countries that develop the best players in the world, they win what I call the battle at the entry level. That's before a child ever crosses over the line into organized play. So if you understand that, you're talking about getting a child to play with a ball, getting a child to fall in love with a ball from a very young age. And how young, you might say? Well, as young as whenever they're ready, two years of age, three, four, five. And those are very crucial years of development, not just for football, but for brain development as well. 
So those countries like the Brazils, the Argentinas, Spain, France, all the countries that do well traditionally in World Cup tournaments, they win that battle at the entry level because their country's culture is conducive to developing player because their culture of development starts much earlier than everybody else's. The rest of the world, many of the countries that aren't footballing cultures, they believe that the battle and the resources and the energy should go at the top end, at the elite side. And they believe that they're going to close that gap between the best and the least developed by focusing on elite player development. But the reality is they very rarely do. And most of the countries in the world, they can't really, their players can't benefit from all of these elite structures that are being put together because technically they're just too poor. So there's a big, big difference between technical skill development and learning that versus actually coaching as a team for a collective result of winning, losing. So many coaches inherit players, and more often than not, those players are not good enough technically. So it's very difficult to play a particular system, a tactic, a formation, something like that, because the players just are not good te technically enough. So there is a limit to what a coach can do. And I think a lot of countries don't understand that. They don't understand that the golden age for learning technical skill development is much, much earlier than the football world, world supposed. The football world literally hasn't caught up to what science already knows. And that is, is that kids can start learning technical skills as early as three, four, five, six. So if you accept that, then you'd have to accept the fact that we need parents that are much more educated. We need parents that will engage with their children in a very fun environment as playtime. And most countries don't have parents like that, so they don't understand even what development looks like. So Japan is very technical, and it starts very young. So that's something immediately that a country like India, if they understood it, they could create. We, we created a movement here in Japan. When I say we, my organization here as well. We created a movement where we focused on parents and coaches and convinced them that the first foundation of football players' development is the technical skills. So we made the learning and teaching of technical skills very cool here in Japan by using pop culture, using animation, using comic books, using TV, creating content, writing books about it, writing articles in magazines, going out, building advocacy throughout the country, talking in big events with thousands of players and families and coaches. So that's my philosophy. Yeah, and I think that's what probably gave birth uh, to the program that's well-known and also the reason why you are well-renowned. One of the reasons uh, that across the globe, the Football Starts at Home project. Now, I'm sure this is something that you just laid out an entire understanding for us that how probably it could have given birth to this project. But why do you think that this was the need of the hour? And I think this is something very simple that across the globe, people can take it up. And I think... Uh, I mean, parents being the key stakeholders, right? If you want any development or any potential future stars for us to have been produced. So when did that thought arrive that, you know, this is the key and this is where we need to nurture and that's what gave birth to Football Starts at Home? Sure, that's a great question. 
Well, I've always been a technical coach throughout my career to begin with, but the big shift in thinking came when, after I got married, we, my wife and I, we had our, our first children, our first child. And I placed a bunch of little tiny balls all around my home, inside the home, inside the living room. And because I'm a technical coach, I discouraged my child from kicking the ball. That's the natural default reflex of most children. When they have an object in front of them, especially a ball that moves around, they want to kick it. Okay, that becomes very natural. In fact, even as, if you look at even child development, even when a woman is pregnant and they've got a, a baby inside, they're basically kicking constantly. So that's a, that's a reflective movement, natural movement for children. So I tried to, I discouraged kicking and I tried to encourage more this ball control, pulling the ball back, putting one foot on the ball, the other foot balancing, getting your arms out. It's just basic motor skills, movement, but using a ball. And I started to see some kind of amazing things unfold in front of my very own eyes. And I could see that my son became very interested in the ball. I saw that my son was doing things that I couldn't imagine that a child at that young age could be able to do. And then because I'm a father and the cell phones had just come out with video cameras, I started to video my child and I could see how interested he was to see the replay every time I would video him. And when my video would stop, it would do a beep noise and my son would immediately drop everything and he'd run over because he'd want to see the video of himself. So that became a bit of the methodology as well of basically, you know, copying, videoing my kids and keeping kind of a record of their improvement and really just kind of, you know, documenting the journey of my uh, kids. And, and then I wound up doing that with a second son. So I started to realize from a very, very young age that kids could actually master a ball from, a, you know, with the right foot, left foot, left foot, right foot, you know, and instead of just constantly kicking, they really kind of fell in love with just holding on the ball, protecting the ball, manipulating the ball, pulling it back, just constantly touching it. And so that was a big breakthrough for me. And then I became a bit obsessed about football development and started studying around what's happening in other countries in the world. And I couldn't really find anything particular other than these other countries that were very good at development. Their culture of development started super early, like I had experienced with my kids at three, four, five, and six. And I realized that that four-year head start was massive, massive, and bigger influence on development than a child starting from any other age. And then when you start really digging into it, the academia, the neuroscience, and then I, I started collaborating with uh, Dr. John Rady from Harvard Medical School, who's a neuroscientist. And I started understanding, you know, what children can do, what the brain science is behind how you develop technical skills. How does it get stored in the brain? How does it get recalled? How does memory work? And all that. And that really forms the basis of the whole football starts at home philosophy.
I mean, brilliant. I mean, from becoming a father and then, you know, actually coining this project and the way it's been doing rounds, I think, like I mentioned in the start, it's, it is a very simple, not so complex idea. But yeah, to put it out there, to implement it, yes, it would take everyone part of, uh, you know, wanting to develop, uh, be part of that. But if I may ask you to list down maybe say three key factors or three key points that would be an encouragement for academies, for academy owners, for coaches here back in India, whoever is listening to this show, how to engage better with regards to involving the parents, whether it's through having workshops for them or helping them understand the sport and why their contribution is, if not more, as equally important as a coach or an academy owner with regards to developing a child and a player. Sure. Well, one of the big challenges that India has, and many other Asian countries as well, is that many families, moms and dads, grandfathers, grandfathers, primary caretakers, educators as well, inside India, they view sports and playing football as a distraction to education. So they think that it's taking time away from a child being educated. They think that kids who are playing sports that aren't studying more are going to be at a disadvantage. But the reality is nothing is further from the truth. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. If you limit a child's physical activity, you're putting them at a disadvantage when it comes to learning. And the reason we know this is because we're working with some of the most brilliant minds, like Dr. John Rady from Harvard Medical School, who wrote a book called Spark which is very popular. I'm sure it's popular in India as well. And basically, Dr. Rady's work has shown that the impact that physical exercise has on children and how it impacts learning because it stimulates and supercharges the brain, and that makes learning, it teaches, basically, the brain learns how to learn from ball mastery. So what I say to organizations, federations, associations, professional clubs, media groups, brands involved in football, is that you must do a better job at educating your parents. The parents must understand that there's many more benefits further than just being a football player that are going to impact your child's cognition, their social development, their emotional development, and their physical skills. So when you package it that way, for example, I can't sit in a room with 500 parents, which I do regularly. I can't sit in a room with 500 parents and give a great presentation about how great football is. It's the world's game. 211 countries make up FIFA. It's the most popular game in the world. I can't convince them to put their kid or child in a football program based only on football. But I can, and we do, I can sit in a room or stand in a room on a stage with 500 parents and convince them to put their small child in a football program because we're going to make their child smarter. We're going to make them better focused. We're going to make them have better concentration. They're going to have less disciplinary problems. They're going to, so there's many, many, many pluses. But unfortunately, the football world is trying to convince everybody to play football so that their kid can go on to become a, a World Cup star and, and, and become famous and rich and, 
and all of these things that are nice for little children to dream about. But in reality, the parents have to be convinced that there's a greater benefit for their child to participate in a sport such as football than just more than only football. And that's what makes up our program. And that's what makes up our program quite interesting. People want to follow it. They want to become part of the movement of it because we're much greater than a football program. And so that's my biggest advice that I would say to anybody listening in India that's concerned about uh, football development. Well, with the wealth of knowledge that you bring forth, Tom, I know I, I am very sure that I can sit with you for hours and we can go on and on. But I have to conclude at some point because I want to bring you back more often on the show and discuss about a variety of things. So to conclude, I would ask you the success that we've been seeing and it's a long-term vision that Japan has laid out for whatever uh, that they're doing. But as someone so closely working from there, what is the next step going ahead and what can you know the this side of the asian countries you know this side of the part that we come from in india can see and expect for all of us who's watching closely the j league or that's happening in japan what can you share with us at this point that what's next for japanese football yeah i think that you know japanese football will continue to improve the big difference of this world cup was that we had young players that have normally grown up, usually in Japan, the young players playing here domestically in the J-League, they used to watch on television the big stars playing in Europe. But now fast forward, now today's generation of young 22, 23-year-old Japanese players, they're not watching those players play on TV from Japan. They're actually playing alongside of them every week. They're playing inside with the, in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, in the French League, in the Italian League, in the Spanish League. They're playing alongside them and against them in the Champions League. So that's a big difference. And because Japan had a very successful World Cup beating two World Cup giants, two World Cup champions in what they considered the group of death, together with Spain, Germany, and Costa Rica, there's now a bigger belief system in Japanese football that they can overcome and getting paired into a group during a World Cup tournament with a World Cup champion is not the de- the group of death anymore because now there's a belief system. So that's very, very important. That's very, very important for Japan to, before in the olden days, Qatar was very famous for Japan losing in 1993 against Iraq in lost time. And they they just missed out qualifying and lost time to Iraq in 93, and they missed the 1994 World Cup tournament in the U.S. So now, when we mention anything going forward about Qatar, the memory will be that we beat Spain, we beat Germany, we went to the final 16, we only lost on penalties. So that's a very big, and that's experience that you can't buy anywhere. You have to experience it. You have to, you just can't talk about it or write it down in a strategic, you know, document about player development. So this is very good. So hopefully Japan will get a little bit further uh, next tournament. And, but what I think that if there's something to be taken away by countries watching Japan, it would be this. Japan is a very long-term strategic thinker. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. 
And there is absolutely no shortcut to developing top players. There's no shortcut. You have to get it right. And it all starts at the entry level and ensuring that you have an army of little boys and girls that are skilled at ball mastery because being skilled at ball mastery is probably 75, if not 80% of what makes up successful players when it comes to player development at the younger years. So that's what I would take away from it. But any country in the world could do a similar uh, type of development scheme. So that's what I would say, focus on technical skill development. And many of the problems that usually arrive will cease to become problems because you have such good technical players. So that is my, uh, in closing, that's my advice to anybody listening. Right. I think uh, when you mentioned the list of the players that I know that you mentioned a very pertinent point. And while I was doing my research for this episode, I also, yes, I did come across the number of players that are playing across the globe, the Japanese players. And you mentioned really good, interesting point that once upon a time they were watching the others play, but now they are playing. But I would also add to that saying that it's not just the players, but also the coaching staff and the technical side of things that folks in Japan are traveling. Like we have one, if not many that I know of now, uh, but in Mumbai City FC, the ISL team, there is Hiro who's part of the coaching staff so I think it's not just the players that you guys are developing and you know that it's kudos that what's happening in Japan and yes if it's even if the smaller bits even if it's not a copy paste model but if there's something that we can take away I think we must definitely keep our eyes and ears open of what's happening in Japanese football Tom Bayer thank you so much like I mentioned I can sit with you for hours, but I want you to come back on the show. And I think we'll definitely, we haven't touched upon the coach education side of things or even gone in detail about player development. So I think we'll definitely have you back on. And uh, thank you so much for doing this, for taking time and uh, coming on to our show. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Yeah, to all our lovely listeners, like I said, I mean, you have to stay glued on to know what's more coming up more. Uh, Tom Bayer was on our show and there'll be several other personalities as well. We'll try and get him again on the show too. And thank you so much for all the love and appreciation that you guys have been showering. Do continue the support. We are available on all the audio platforms. Yes, you may see some snippets on our YouTube channel, but for the entirety of the episode, you still have to uh, listen to us on your preferred audio platforms. This is me, Siju, signing off on the Totally football show. Thank you very much.